people are watching. That is a warning to not let your kids end up on the magic island. I knew it all along. Advice on how to masturbate less. It tickles the imagination. God is a supercomputer. Is this bullshit? Welcome to the Irrational Discourse podcast, folks. This is your co-host, Chris, and we're here with author Peter James, the author of God is Great, and of course, Doug is here as well. Hey, hey, everybody. So this is our Oh God Chapter 2 episode, and it's Peter James. So the book is God is Great, a Bible rebuttal to Christopher Hitchens by Peter James, but we clarified last time that you prefer James. Well, that's what we went by last time. I thought it was a good idea. Yeah, you want to change it? No. Okay. <laughs> welcome back. Welcome well, back. We love having you. Welcome. I'm glad to be back. It was so nice last time. It was great. The only thing I wanted to say to the audience from last time is that during that time period, mm. uh, my favorite miracle is water into wine, but I didn't want to give the wrong impression to the audience. I didn't drink during any time during our... Our, uh, that's true. I didn't want... Yeah, I can back you up on that. That's exactly right. So mm-hmm. I waited till after the podcast. I was drinking. Um, <laughs> I was, okay. I was, I just wanted I to was clarify. thirsty. You yeah. were drinking. Sometimes was, that happens. I wanted to clarify for the audience that Chris and I were drinking yes. quite a bit during our last episode. So well, I, did, I want people to stay away from Matthew 7, 1. Now, I, I say the scriptures only because uh, I get Doug to look them up. Yes, I do. Now, do you want us to stay away from it? Or I, do you want, I us... want I want people to stay away from uh, Matthew 7, 1. It's I will important. stay away from it then. Well, well uh, you have to read it first. Oh, okay. Well, well, let me tell the okay, audience. Okay, there's another too. contradiction that I have to deal with. <laughs> I'm about to sip my first sip of the evening. Uh, so here we go. So that, that is his first sip of... Why don't you introduce it, James? You, you were the one that, that introduced us okay, to this. Okay, it's uh, New Belgium, 1554. Um, the recipe is 500 years old from Belgium. <clears throat> it's a delicious dark beer. Mm. It seems That well is delicious balanced. dark beer. Yes, yeah. it is a delicious dark beer. Thank you for sharing. This, yes. is, this is an awesome I, treat. I, I really like it. It's Chris and I, Chris and I are Guinness stout drinkers, mm. and this is really good. This is good. I do prefer this over the New Belgium Trapel. Yes. Um, the, it, what, it's a similar flavor, but um, it's kind of more... It's um, more smooth. Well, this is yeah, a yeah. It's not dark as heavy. Beer. It's not as like a punch in my face. It's a little more gentle. But anyway, we're not here about New Belgium. We're here about how God is great. We want a commission. We do. Yeah. <laughs> Our next sponsor, <laughs> sponsored by fifteen fifty four. Doug, I wanted to start with a scripture. You do that for your audience. It's an important scripture that I want them to reason on, and it's found at Hebrews five twelve. Be patient with me. That's okay. Yeah, no problem. We We delete dead space. Yeah, we can edit. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Mm, Pardon me. Where's your glass? Uh, I didn't get one. Do you want me to go get you one? Uh, No, it's okay. I'll I'll just, yeah. Maybe for the next round if we take a break or something, but yeah. Oh, we'll be taking breaks. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm going to read this from... Yeah, which version? (laughs) Yeah. Because it could mean something completely different. Other words, you know, and... Words. (laughs) Oh, my God. God. <laughs> I'm going to read it from the reference Bible. Okay. And it says, For indeed, although you ought to be teachers in view of the time, you again need someone to teach you from the beginning, the elementary things of the sacred pronouncements of God, and you have become 
such as needing milk, not solid food. And the reason I want to share that with people is because there's more uh, that goes along with our last session about uh, John mm-hmm. John 17:3. This means everlasting life. You're taking in knowledge of the only true God and the one you sent forth, Jesus Christ. So I wanted to share that scripture for those people. There are so many more things to learn and so many deep things to learn. And, uh, you know, we don't want to just get stuck on elementary things, but get into the real meat of the Bible. I would say what the verse you just read was kind of interesting. I, do. I like this verse too. Yeah, I kind of want to dive into it. Well, what I found interesting might be that I don't like it. Okay. Uh, you go Hebrews, first. Hebrews yeah. 5.12? Is yeah. that the one? Yes. You yeah, say, say your thing. I tell you as I, as I understood so it, and I'm paraphrasing as I do everything, it was, you know, don't just be the teacher, also seek out somebody to be taught. Is that? To like pass on the knowledge. To pass on the knowledge and to learn. But this is kind of, for me, it goes kind of hand in hand with what I said during our, our first, uh, during chapter one, was you know, both of us have a disdain or a distaste for organized religion. And my claim, my hypothesis Doug's theory is that anytime there is holy scripture in any culture, organized religion is inevitable. It has to be. It has to exist. It's like natural. The two are linked, adamantly linked to each other simply because it's going to require somebody to teach. They're going to teach their perspective. They're going to teach their meaning of the word, how it should be followed, the dogma of their beliefs. And that is going to form a following. That following is going to become organized, and you have a church. And there are others who are going to teach, and they're going to teach it slightly different. And you're going to have the same process. And that will lather, rinse, repeat. And next thing you know, you have multiple different organized religions, multiple different denominations for the same basic belief. So, I, Well, eventually that can kind of come to clash. And well, it will, it, because you know, the first thing that happens in any time you get an organization that has an ulterior motive, and that ulterior motive could be anything. I want to maintain my flock. I want to have the most tithings so I can build a bigger church. But it's going to create an us versus them. Well, obviously, they're wrong because we're right. And they're going to, the other side's going to be saying, well, obviously, we're right and they're wrong. And, and yes, that, that will inevitably create a clash in, in a religion. Chris and I, in our semi-fuzzy state last week when we were recording our introduction episode, got off on a tangent of if we could build a simulation, an experiment I would love to run, and it would be about finding an island off the coast of Papua New Guinea somewhere or somewhere in the Southwest Pacific and where the indigenous people exist and on one side of the island you drop off a case of dc comics and on the other side of the island you drop off a case of marvel comics and you leave and you come back in a hundred years and you find that one side is trying to kill the other side because superman is a false god and batman is the devil and vice versa where iron man is a false prophet and that's going to happen you're going to have the you're going to have the divides it's 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 a natural human condition it's who we are as a species but I just wanted to point out because we both have discussed organized religion, but for me, what I got out of that is seek out the teachers, which will basically lead to that inevitably. That's an interesting thought. The uh, wisdom keepers. The, the keepers are the, the ones that know. The, the, the people in the early Christians, they called it the truth. 
Mm -hmm. There was only one truth. And Jesus said he prayed that they would all speak in agreement. Yet you, today we have 200,000 churches all using the Bible and all doing exactly what you said uh, they would do. But there are people that just want to follow the Bible and what it has to say. And I think that's different. Once you get into it and you see what the Bible teaches, uh, that's what I try to bring out in the book. Here, here's what Christopher learned. This is what he learned. This is what he rebelled against. And this is really what the Bible teaches, not what he learned in that the church that he was and, in. And this is a great introduction because it's probably, I, I imagine, as last time we will... We'll, we'll touch upon this topic a couple times on if somebody is left to their own devices to study the Bible, they are very likely to come away with a different opinion of what they just read over somebody else. And you and I have debated many verses, some less debate than others. It was more of, you know, question back and forth because I read them. You have been so great, generous in providing me with a plethora of verses, and I'm learning well, quite a bit. Well, there's, there's a trust factor also. What, what is James, what's his gimmick for this? Why is he saying this? Whatever. That's what comes first. And then as you got to know me more and we, we you know, wrote each other emails and things like that, I think I became less fearful that you were going to set a trap for me or trying to mm. do something. And you, I think, became less fearful and, and realize that I just have 100% in wanting you to to see what it what the Bible has to say. No, and I admire and I respect your faith and I respect your tenacity and, and dedication to, to learning the Bible. There's been verses where I still keep going back to Hebrews 11.1, 1, which I like as a verse, but depending upon which version of the Bible you read or what your perspective is or your opinion is, two very rational people can get two very different thought processes just from reading that. As a result, it requires a third person to come in and mitigate and says, no, 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 this is what it says, or that's what it says. Get back to your corner. Yeah. <laughs> Which means there might be somebody else that comes along and the second mitigator says, no, 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 that person was actually right. And then off you go. And that's you know, where we, we have some of our disagreements on, uh, on, on the text as the primary source of you said wisdom, yeah. Primary source of knowledge. wisdom or in knowledge of information because people interpret that differently. Yes, yeah, because there is a difference between knowledge and wisdom. <laughs> Sorry about that, but knowledge, that's a whole intelligence, other, wisdom. We've, we've a whole and, other bag of crazy. <laughs> throw in accurate also accurate so, knowledge. So Chris and I, accurate. we had a moment last year. I have a I have a Dobsonian. A telescope in my garage and sometimes Chris and I will just at usually after a couple beers we feel like we need to bond with the universe so we'll drag the telescope out and we were sitting in the garage uh, with the telescope in the driveway and drinking beer and I think we got on a conversation of the difference between knowledge wisdom and intelligence and I don't even know what the hell came out of it next thing I know we were looking at the moon so it didn't really matter yeah is it dark enough here to to see the stars or? so it's you do have some good nights especially on the colder nights you have, you have a much crisper clear view but we no it's not as dark as i would like i want to i want to take it down to the lake one day you know the lake is just a quarter mile that no way no so. lights around there or anything. yeah i just take it down there one night but yeah there's a lot of things we want to do that we Sure, magical. So we need to get, we need to get some some clear places, but we we enjoy sometimes just looking at the moon. And the interesting thing is for for those that don't have a telescope, 
you set your telescope up and you start watching the moon, you only have about, unless, unless your telescope actually physically tracks, you only have about a minute. Before it's out before of, it's out of before it's out of view and and it's spinning somewhere. Most people or we're spinning somewhere. Yeah. It's, it's rotating. We're spinning. So, <laughs> so most people don't realize that. And watching it just gives you a complete perspective because you can watch the craters and just see them slowly edge, you know, ever across the it, your, it, your it, lens. It increases the senses being able to like witness it like that, and you can really feel. <laughs> that, that you're on a planet spinning and it's like whoa it does <laughs> kind of zooms us out i did want to start if it's okay with you and then i want to i want to kind of turn it over we we have some topics listed that you know, sure. i wanted to give you full um, i wanted to give you full control over the topics i obviously have things that i want to touch on but i want to go at your pace in your direction but no, the, I, I, if I don't know the answer, I'm going to tell you to do more research. You, I already told you that. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that I, I really wanted to do is after listening to the episode, and, and again, you know, we weren't intoxicated, but we had had a few beers. And I, I, there were a few things that were said that need to be corrected from our previous episode. Ironically, all of them were from me. <laughs> so when, we were, when, when we, were, we were talking at one point about the Big Bang and we'd also talked about the Jesuit priests, and there were there was a strong representation in science from Jesuits. And I'd mentioned that um, the Big Bang would had been coined by Fred Hoyle, who I had stated that was a Jesuit priest. I had that wrong. I got Hoyle and Georges Lemaitre backwards. So Georges Lemaitre was a Belgian Jesuit priest who had in his time done a lot of work on the he was a physicist astrophysicist and did a, spent a lot of his career working on uh, theories around and studying the origins of the universe including the big bang fred hoyle was the one that coined it so i had the names right but i had their backgrounds transposed so but in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth i prefer to call it the the quiet start God is not ostentatious. He doesn't want to make a showy display of things. So I, I kind of go the opposite. When somebody says the Big Bang, I'm thinking, no, maybe not. I would say you could be right. You could be wrong. Same, you know, we, we just don't know. My, my, you weren't there. Well, I, I wasn't there. I, I might have been there. You might have been there. <laughs> That's my theory. Chris, you, Chris, you, I mean, if you want to tell yeah, us which to. one is right, because well, you were there. Actually, I kind of want to go back to the Hebrews 5.12 okay. thing. That really kind of evoked some thinking. Thinking, mm-hmm. yes. Um, I think there is a bridge in that, that reference point of Hebrews 5.12 that references scientific concepts, uh, or like physics concepts anyway. Metaphysics. Um, metaphysics. And maybe <laughs> metaphysics, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, it was something yeah. about how... I kind of take a more um, metaphorical approach to the words of the Bible, uh, personally. Um, who are um, the oracles of God? Uh, those would be the books of the Bible, I guess. I the books, know. Yeah, so the oracles of God, there's different words that they use in, in the other reference thing, um, which is still kind of evoking the same line of thinking. Um, Turn it on. Yeah, if you like the fan. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Um, From the beginning, the pronouncements of the sacred... The sacred pronouncements. The sacred of God. pronouncements of God, yeah. So um, you know the pronouncements. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing is like word, right? But the word, not the the words, but speaking words, creates vibration, 
And those vibrations could be the beginnings of that big bang, that first vibration that happens could be what generates all of the spin in atoms. And those oracles are the beginning building blocks of everything that comes after that, everything that we're all created from. All of our DNA comes from these these words of God, but I, I take it from a more metaphorical standpoint of like these these vibrations that are being created. And maybe it could be coming from a, a being. What it's coming from, I'm not necessarily particularly interested in. I'm more fascinated with just the energy concept of it. And I think in my interpretation um, of, of some of these words, that that's what that's referencing, is it's referencing particle physics and building blocks and the start of it all from the beginning and how important that is to know. Yeah, and see, God's love, too. I, um, you know, love is such a broad term. You know, it can mean so many things uh, like care or romantic love or, you know, all these different things. Um, I think if, to turn the word love into a metaphor, um, it's positive energy, a metaphor for positive energy. And it seems to me anytime I hear about God's love, um, that kind of just translates in my book, in my head, to pure energy, God's pure energy, or God is pure energy. And does that pure energy have a consciousness? Is that something that can actually dictate uh, to us? Or like, so no, or is I, it just something that just is, you know, like... Uh, Deist. Do I need to reel YouTube back in? Yeah, Sorry. maybe. I, I I get whoa way so out there. So we will digress. And... So yes, thank you for reeling yeah, us back thank in. Thank you. Yeah. So the, I wanted to continue with the corrections. Again, another one on mine. Sure. I had referenced we were talking about uh, the gentleman that had taken the 17 Bibles and kind of come up with what he thought was the Jason. Best, Jason. And I had referred to him as Jason Debune, and it's actually Jason Badun. So B-E, is that how you I got the B and the D backwards in his name. Uh, not so so it's, it's Jason Badun. He's not from Arizona State. He's from Northern Arizona University, which I believe is in Flagstaff. So I oh, just you did some research on it. I looked up, you. I looked up, well, I had done some research beforehand, but I had, I, when, I, when I typed his name for my notes, I, I had a dyslexic moment and I got the B and the D backwards in, in my typing. The other thing is we don't want to offend anybody. So if there are any Jehovah's Witnesses that are listening, I did mention that the, the God's Word Bible that I believed was the Bible of the Jehovah's Witnesses. It is not. It is the New World Testament. New World Translation? The New, the New World Translation, sorry, is the Bible of, of the Jehovah's Witnesses. So I had that backwards. And I also realized I got into a mental rut. There were several times where I had meant to discuss biblical scholars I said biblical theologians, and that's I, was, I meant to say biblical scholars in that context. So I don't want to say that there was Guinness involved, but that could have happened. You, know? you never know. <laughs> yeah, that's, my brain. Well, you work, do <laughs> work well on its own, let alone having a beer during the time you're asking me questions. And then, for full disclosure, there was quite a bit that we cut from the last one. You could tell by the time we got to our last hour of recording, it was late. We, we'd had a long day. We tired. It was, yeah. it we was late. Tired. We got tired. We kind of rambled. We spent way too much time on a couple topics. Uh, and there were some things that we cut. We don't know when to stop. A lot we don't that. know when to stop. <laughs> yeah. But I, I wanted to throw these out so you were aware of what was cut in case you wanted to go back and address anything. Um, we, we cut out our discussion on the Council of Nicaea, what, what 327? 
323. It was actually fist fighting at that thing. Probably. It wasn't God's spirit, that's for sure. Not like a bunch of old white men in robes beating the hell out of each other yeah. over God. We talked about um, the God only speaking to man through angels. And I told you I gave you a couple of scriptures, and then I went back and I looked at all these scriptures that that go along with it. I I wrote them down here, so I have them. And we can discuss that because I have probably seven or eight that I read directly from the Bible that shows Bob, Bob, Bob. (laughs) That's God's real name. It's not Yahweh. It's Bob. (laughs) He is my father. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That, That... specifically says God either appeared to somebody or spoke to them in direct face form, face-to-face. Face. Yeah, so there, this ties into contradictions or subjectivity that can be pulled out of the book and reading it. So I, that's on my list. I have those verses written down. And I think people that take the first pass at the Bible and see those things uh, and really don't uh, find the scripture. I mean, look, let, let's take the uh, the scripture of the burning bush, which is a good one. Uh, it says that uh, he was afraid to look at him, his face and all this sort of stuff. And then you get to Exodus 2-4. Sorry for the crinkling of, of papers. And I also apologize, and maybe it's just us. It sounds like we're getting a little bit of echo in here. But maybe yeah, that's maybe just... I, little... I, I detected some sort of... It's something little, happened. It's very loud. Um, yeah, so I wonder if I'm picking up on your microphone or something. I don't know. Nobody do. No, but I can also turn, and, and it might just be because I have my headphone that I just turned mine down and that's less echo. Test, so. test, test. So anyway, blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. So I don't have, but it's on my list of things that we can get into. And I want to carry on with the, that was the last of the corrections. The other thing that, that I did cut we, we did spend some time that was included in the episode where you and I discussed uh, two, kings, 2 Kings 2.23 and 2 Kings 2.24 on Elisha and the she-bears. But the la- during the last hour when we were tired, we ended up going back onto that and spent a lot of time on it. And I ended up chopping that because we'd already discussed it before. But we can... That is a hard one because it, it, it disgusts me as well. So... I, I have I'm hard, glad you said that. I, 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 I really hard, am. I appreciate you saying that. I have a hard time with different scriptures. But, however, I've read enough now to know the, uh, the law and what the Israelites were under. And the, these people weren't doing what they were supposed to be doing. And he was sending them it, I, I would say, to change their ways. I, I, would, I would just highly encourage you and really hope that you would just stop at I struggle with things too and not carried into justifying the act. I'm not justifying anything. I'm just saying you and your audience needs to do more research on uh, the oath that the Israelites took to follow. I have. I've, And I even told you that I went back and I shared them. I don't know if you've read them, Chris, but I went back and I've read and re- noted down all 613 laws. I read every single one of them uh, going through it just so that I could say that I'm not talking to you out of ignorance. I, I'm talking out of you out of partial ignorance. So, you know, I, 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 I try. I as well. <laughs> I, I try. So that, that was the other thing that, you know, we, we had cut uh, from the episode. We talked about my problem that I have in your defense of you know what I see as God changing His mind versus you know changing the law, you know, we we talked about the mosaic what was the mosaic laws, and how we transferred from mosaic laws to Christ laws to when the six hundred thirteen laws no longer applied, or 
when it came to... 612, uh, 600... 613. 611 that no longer apply. Okay. I think I know the two that probably still do apply, but I'll let you touch on those. Uh, Pascal's wager, that a lot of that got cut out, and the ugly laws, which <laughs> still just... it. I mean, it's 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 humorous on what it, for me it would be humorous because it's right out of something out of Monty Python. But you know the the fact that twenty four percent of Americans believe it was the literal word of God it's it's a little disheartening. So those are things that were cut out, and then from there it's just you know we have additional notes and things you, that we you go on. You had a lot of statistics about today how many people have fallen away from the church. Yeah, especially like for since you know from 1940 to 1970, and then from the 70s up to as high as 1980 until I think the last big Pew study on it was around 2018, and that's where it had, it had dropped from. I think around 1980, the Pew study showed that 38 percent of of Americans, not the world, 38 percent of Americans believe that the Bible was the literal word of God. By 2018, that was down to 24 percent, and if you just stripped out the portion of people with at least a four-year degree or higher, that number dropped to 13%. You know, there's been a steady decline in in Christianity in America. And it's not as steep as you see in, uh, we, we talked about this over dinner, how in some of the European countries, it's down to like 6%, say that they actually are a part of a church. So with that, that was the corrections. Those were the things that that have been cut out from our previous recording. And with that, I kind of want to let you guide us on where you would like to go, where you would like to start. We seem to digress very well, so I'm not too worried about you know, sticking to uh, my outline of possible topics to I, discuss today. I, see. I wanted to give some scriptures uh, about what we were talking about, um, Hebrews 5.12. Oh, yeah. And I want to give um, Philippians 1.9. And Ephesians four fourteen to your audience, and also John uh, three seventeen. Those are scriptures that kind of go along with um, Hebrews five twelve. Oh, cool. So okay, you can look them up, Chris. Uh, uh, what I was going to do is assign each one of us a scripture. We can look it up and read oh, it. But but uh, I thought maybe we would just move on, and then. Uh, I think more scriptures about angels working with God, between God and man. There's several of them here that talk about the law was transmitted to you by angels, things of that sort that that go along with. No, I think that's I think that's actually. If I mean, why not why not start there? Because I I would not disagree. I I stumbled across scripture. And I didn't write the verses down, which said that an angel spoke for the Lord, or yeah. that somebody's. But there were there were that that there was an angel as an intermediary between person that was being spoken to and God. So I, you, you could probably pull up a hundred. The only point I would contest is that he always did that because there are not only in the scriptures the the verses that I wrote down. I also went out and read multiple websites and I don't know what you know if you have distaste for them as well but from different biblical scholars who would say absolutely God did speak to people face to face in the Old Testament and these are people who are you know not above you or less than you I'd say you know are just as devout as you are and who spend their careers uh, personally and professionally studying the Bible and would come out and say God definitely talked to people face to face and 
you know, in Genesis, uh, God appeared to Hagar and Ishmael, um, who was the mistress and the son of Abraham. Uh, mister, the mistress, Hagar, and Ishmael was the son of Abraham. Uh, in Genesis 17, 1, that was when God appeared to Abram, and I think that's one who said he would visit him as a friend. Three and, men came, and one was Jehovah, and he, or Yahweh, and he spoke to that one because that one had come before. Uh, in representing uh, God. God appeared. Then, then if you read on, it says that the, the other two that left him and went on to destroy Sodom, Sodom and Gomorrah, when they got the, would you read on, it says uh, the two angels finally arrived at Sodom and Gomorrah. They were men back there that were having lunch with Yes, Abraham. but they, they, does, is that not the verse that also says that's when they realized that the third one was God? Uh, well, uh, again, the scriptures have to agree with each other, and there's a scripture. But they don't. No, they. Okay, okay, okay. They don't have to agree with each other. This is where we get into the enlightened theologian versus scientific method, or I believe it's true because it's in the Bible, and if it's in the Bible, it must be true. Is they should. It's the difference between have to. They should, but they don't. What What does uh, John one eighteen say? Can you look that up? Do you have a Bible? I don't have a Bible on hand. I have to. I have every English trans. I have like 50 different English translations of the Bible right here on me phone. This was John what? John uh, 1.18. Um, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came about through Christ. No one has seen God at any time, the one read, and only. Read that. Hold on again. What does it say? No one has seen God at any time. So this professor or this other theologian. I, uh, I know that. I know that. Okay. And I'm. this is the contradiction because... Elsewhere in the Bible, it says people have seen God. That is the contradictions in the Bible. There are multiple contradictions in the Bible, and this is just one of them. Genesis 18, 1 through 33, God appears to Abraham and Sarah. It specifically says he makes an appearance to Abraham and Sarah. Genesis 22, 11 through 14, God appeared to Abraham a second time. And, and I would say that's an angel talking to them, representing God. Do you know why? The, the only reason you would say that is because you have to say it, because if you don't say it, then it contradicts with John 18. What was it? John 1, 18. But it doesn't say in the Bible that it was an angel. So maybe John 1, 18 is wrong, and these are actually right. Well, hold on a second. Well, okay, Exodus 4, 24, 26, because this is one of the more crazy verses in the Bible that I had written down a couple years ago. It's when God meets Moses in Zephorah at the, not a wayside, at a wayside, at the inn. God is in the bar, or is in the lodging waiting for them and is going to kill Moses. No explanation is given in the Bible why he's going to kill Moses, but God is there physically. And it isn't until Zephorah takes a sharpened flint removes the foreskin from her son and rubs it on the feet of Moses that God says, okay, I'm good, and then leaves. God makes a presence. It specifically says that God is there waiting for them. He appeared, well, that's the burning bush, no. But Exodus 33, 11, this is, it's, I'm going to pull it up because I want to read it from here just to make sure. See, I, I, this is why I, I, I really, the contradictions and stuff. Um, well, it's not necessarily a contradiction. You have to read on. Okay, well, yeah. Exodus 33:11, And Yahweh would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his neighbor. And he would return to the camp and his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not leave the middle of the tent. Yeah, um, that was an intimate conversation through this angel. That, that, I'm, I'm, reading, I'm reading it right out of the Bible. No. Face to face. I, I got you. I understand. So this is, I, I don't. I, that's I, why I would tell people to study more. 
because, Why because is that? somehow that has to go along with John one eighteen. Yes. No, God, no man has seen God at any time. No, I can't. It can't. It can't be face to face. Then something else. Had no, to- or John one eighteen is wrong. But I tell you what, I think it is. Is I think the people that wrote the Bible had bad editors, and they didn't catch something in the past that they. It's the same way in the in the flood narrative when one chapter it says that Noah in the ark landed or saw the mountain in the seventh month, and in the next chapter, the very next chapter, it says it was the tenth month. It's you know it's it's a lack of continuity from one section to the other. It's bad editorial process. I don't know what particular scripture you're talking about, but I certainly do research on it and give you an answer. But I can tell you this that. God spoke through his messengers, the angels. Uh, He spoke intimate conversation as if he was standing right there. They're representing God. So, uh, but... What about when God wrestled Jacob? That's an angel, again. It doesn't say that. I think, I think... I mean, I here understand I go. what you're saying, Doug. Okay, okay. As okay. long as we understand each other, so I, I just want you to understand. I want you. You, you can't wa- see God and live. He, it, 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 it. it the Bible. Like okay, but Jesus there. Jesus was resurrected. There are specific verses, verses in the Bible that contradict you on that statement. That's, that's a problem that we. That's a square that needs to be circled somehow. Well. You know, that fits in with my whole thing. God is energy. I mean, if you can't see him, if he, if you have to go through angels, I mean. Maybe well, these stories, they, they could have editorial issues, uh, you know, because like a lot of these stories is kind of like, why is this important to us? And I, I, it seems like it's all these little stories, all these little, you know, Phillips, John 1, 9, John, whatever, all the little anecdotes in the Bible are kind of just, they're, they're all describing a phenomenon that's happening in the room, usually like an emotional phenomenon between people where like the energy of the room has gotten to like a certain point until you're chopping someone's foreskin off and rubbing on their feet. And it's like, oh, now the energy is is quelled. You know, now God is satiated. That, but really, that was just the energy in the room. That you know, would, but it was that would so, quell the energy out of most rooms. It was like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but it was so powerful in that room. And then those people went off to tell these stories like, holy shit, then my husband was going to kill my kid. And then blah, 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 blah. And, and then all of a sudden, and then so what I did to cure my husband was I took the foreskin and I rubbed it on his feet. And everyone's like, whoa, that's an amazing story. And then it ends up in the Bible or something because it's profound and it describes powerful phenomenon that our energy and that energy is God. I don't know. So I don't want to have, I don't want anybody to think I have an ulterior motive. I mean, James has, and thank you for being quite open about, you know, your your interest in getting. I know, I don't. You know, I used to have my guard up. I don't have my guard up with yeah, you anymore. But I appreciate you being open with me that, you know, you would like to have me you know, be more devoutful or faithful in, in my belief. I wanted to just be for full disclosure, say I, I have no ulterior motive in, in changing your relationship with God. I don't. The last episode, I even mentioned that I'm a lot more warm on the New Testament. I have problems with the New Testament, but I am a lot more open. I'm a lot more warm on the New Testament than I am the Old Testament. The only thing I want people to do is when they read the Old Testament and they see that there are contradictions like this, or when they see that they're horrific acts, you know, be open-minded. Don't lock yourself into saying, well, if it's in the scripture, it must be true, because then you're locking yourself into a contradiction. I'd like Chris is what you were hinting upon there, and what a lot of biblical scholars today will will say is that most of the Old Testament 
is apocryphal. It is divinely influenced, but it is not the literal word of the God of God because there are imperfections in it. There are flaws in it. There are contradictions. And these are coming from people who are firmly religious and study the Bible their entire lives. They are very much more adamant on their beliefs in the accuracy in the God of the New Testament. The God of the New Testament does not align with the God of the Old Testament. We talked about that in these verses. I could never believe, even my younger days when I was a lot more devout, that the God of the Old Testament would be the same God from Kings 2, 23 and 24, or Leviticus or Deuteronomy 22, oddly enough, it's Deuteronomy 22, 23 and 24 or 26 and 28. It would take more uh, study for you to appreciate that. But I, it, it because that, that's, Did again, that's up, getting into, that's getting into horrific psychological trauma. You looked up trauma. John Wayne 18, didn't you? Doug? Yes, I did. And I, re- you, I read quite a bit of it, but you yeah, want me to look it Can you read John, first John 4, 12? Perhaps, I, I, as a reader. Perhaps uh, is that, you know, evidence that if God is a being and, uh, is it real that God grows and adapts and evolves as well? But to see, this is just another contradiction. Mm-hmm. No, no one has seen God at any time. That doesn't contradict 118. No, it doesn't contradict 118, okay. but it does contradict Genesis, uh, five verses of Genesis, several verses of Exodus, and other areas of the Bible. But Can John, you look at, John is from a new te- the New Testament, correct? What's that? John, yes, is, John. Yeah. So John he, is the Christian Greek the, the, So you and I are damn near aligned on some things, but you are stubborn. Um, so let's go. Here's my stubbornness. <laughs> look, up, look up Exodus 33:20 and see what that says. Oh, there are also contradictions in the Old Testament that contradict other verses in the Old Testament. So uh, Exodus 33:20. What does that say? So Exodus 33:20 uh, is, but he said, "You are not able to see my face because a human will not see me and live," which is fine, I guess, unless you're wrestling with him. No, you're wrestling with an angel. I didn't say that. I understand, but you got to. <laughs> you have to study more, and you'll find a scripture that tells you that that was an angel, well, and you'll find. But, another but then you, but then you find another scripture that says somebody met him face to face, and then you'll find another scripture that says nobody met God, and then you'll find no, another you scripture that says he met him face to face. Face to face because you can't live. It, let me give you a for instance. All right, when when Jesus was resurrected, say I buy your argument. Say I I absolutely agreed with you. Then I'd be stunned. Okay, I don't because I. I mean, I. I. You know, I. I mean, sometimes I feel like I'm. You know, debating the logic of brothers Grimm tales. But it's it, say I agreed with you. Then we are locked into the fact that there are contradictions in the Bible because I will agree with this side that nobody has ever seen God face to face, and I have to discount the verses where it says that they were face to face because they are obvious contradictions. Well, if they're contradictions, it's not the literal word of God. It's an editorial issue. Here, here's some interesting things about, about this same thing. Let's see. Isaiah 6, 1, uh, Daniel 7, 9, and Amos 9, 1. All those people say they saw God, they saw this, they, they, they're seeing him, they describe God, they just go on and on. And then if you go to uh, Isaiah chapter 1, verse 1, it says he received a vision. That was a vision. It wasn't, he, would, he didn't see God, he saw a vision of something that represented God. The same with Daniel 7, uh, 2, it's a vision. And Amos 1.1, 1, 1, it's a vision. I, I, again, I'm not going to argue with you that there are plenty of verses in the Bible that say that people saw God through an angel or a the burning bush or some other kind of vision. 
Well, it's good I, that we come together and reason. Yeah, I just, I'm just saying there are obvious contradictions elsewhere where that is not the case, and we have to circle that square. We don't, you and I don't need to circle that square. I have my firm beliefs on, as to why they're and in a there. A cursory study of the Bible isn't going to cut it. You got to, you got to get into it and and really see what it has to say. And when it, when word, you do, word, words are words. If, words are words. It, words are words. If so, if it says in there and it's the literal word of God and it says God spoke to Moses face to face, then God spoke to Moses face to face. If it if that's not the case, then it's not literal. If an angel represents uh, no, Yahweh it, yeah. and comes down, okay. he represents Yahweh. It's as if Yahweh you, is standing. There. You are interjecting your own beliefs. No, into, I'm telling you what the Bible teaches. It doesn't say that. It doesn't teach you that in there. I I read that whole section of Exodus. It doesn't teach it. You're interjecting a subjective belief into there to to support your, an opinion. No, tell me about. Uh, tell me about the burning bush that he went and spoke. I don't to. want to talk about the burning bush. But, that, a, that, but yes, it does. Say, it's, okay, so so that's so for anybody that wants to look it up, that's uh, Exodus three two through four, and also seventeen. What was, was the, an what, was the, what was the what was the mountain? Um, Mount Horeb. Horeb. Yes, that he he climbed Mount Horeb and he met an angel. And depending upon the translation or the version, not the translation, depending upon the version. Um, the wording will be different, and it references different. One, I think it was more clear that it was an angel, and another one, I don't think it was obvious that there was an angel, but it was the presence of God in the bush. But that—that's not one that says that God met Moses or that Moses met God face to face. But it does later in Exodus, um, a few chapters later in Exodus, say that he did meet face to face. So, yeah, it just, I would just say uh, study more. Okay. Because all of those we can we to, can leave it at that. But that's well, I wanted all to, those scriptures have to coincide. They they can't they can't be. We have to understand them how the Bible wants us to. So understand. this is something that we cut from chapter one. Is my dilemma that I, I wrote down. It's the dilemma between an enlightened theologian versus the scientific method, and both can take the approach of having an idea converting that into a belief, analyzing it, studying it, creating a hypothesis, then going out and testing it, corroborating that, then analyzing the data and reaching a conclusion. So that they can both very well follow that. The difference is, is at the end, the scientist or somebody who is following a more secular approach will be able to come to a conclusion. And then if that conclusion disagrees with their previous hypothesis or their opinion going in, they will be willing to change their opinion and follow their new evidence. An enlightened theologian will do the same process, but at the end, their conclusion must, and you just said this, it must fit within the framework of their belief system. And if it doesn't fit in the framework of the belief system, there's three things that they can do. They can either warp the information, circle the square a little bit, at least round off its corners and adapt it into their belief system. Um, no, there's really two, or they can or they can reject the information outright. There's two. They have two choices, and in many cases, and I think, and I'm not projecting. It kind of sounds like that's what you're doing here. Is like I don't care what it says. This one says this, so it it must a, be. Let, it can't be true because it has read, to agree with this. Can you read First Timothy? Will Will you read First Timothy one seventeen? I don't type so fast, and well, it's okay. Have, uh, well, 
I'm patient. I don't know if our listeners Chris, are. We're kind of patient. First Timothy, First, Timoth- First Timothy, one seventeen. If this is if this is another God doesn't see people face to face. I think we've covered that ground. Um, now the King of the ages, immortal, invisible, to the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. So it says that he's invisible. <laughs> unless he unless he doesn't want to be, because he's he's omnipotent. Can I just give you one last thing on Jesus Christ when he was resurrected? It was a thought that I wanted to share with you. Yes, I said I'm much more warm on the New Testament, okay. so let's go so, there. Uh, Jesus is resurrected, and uh, Saul of Tarsus is, uh, is this guy. He knows the Hebrew part of the Bible, and he's on his way to persecute Christians. He's, he's been putting them to death. He's, he's zealous in his work. So Jesus appears to him on a, on a road. After after the resurrection. After the resurrection, okay. and you can't see Jesus. He's in a, he's in a, a, a spiritual body now. You, so he appeared to him, and immediately, uh, Paul was blinded by a, a bright light. He just heard the voice, but his eyes were blind. He he put out his eyes by just appearing. Probably just a little bit of him appeared, because uh, you can't live and see spirit creatures that are that strong. That's what I'm trying to say. It's just, it's not going to happen. <laughs> so, but angels that are allowed to materialize in human bodies as messengers, well, there you go. I have a lot more that I want to do, but we let's don't argue about this all. The time. No, no, no. I don't think it's. I don't consider it arguing. I think it's. I okay. think it, actually, I think it's a fun conversation. And honestly, I I don't want you. Know, I'm not judging you for believing well, that I way. I just. To get bored I just want also. you to. I just want people to be open minded. And if they see something that appears to be an obvious contradiction, I will tell you what James would tell you, is go study it further. At the end, if it's still an apparent contradiction, then then you have an issue. You have an issue with the text because something can't be flawless and then have contradictions. There's other contradictions which we can get into. And, you know, interesting, you mentioned the resurrection of Christ. That's one of the contradictions in the New Testament because I believe, and I don't have the verses, I apologize, but I did read the verse uh, where it says uh, Jesus prophesied that he would be in the grave for three days as Jonah was in the belly of the whale. It was a day and a half. Great fish, so, right so yeah, the great fish. But it was a day and a half. So he he missed. He was off by fifty percent. What? Jonah was only in the belly uh, three days. He was in three days. He was in three days. Yeah, Jesus was crucified um, apparently later on a Friday, and by Sunday morning he was up and gone. That's a day and a half. When did he appear to Mary? Well, wasn't Mary at first? Wasn't wasn't it the eleven? Wasn't it the women that? Oh, no, the women just found the grave empty. They went to the tomb and they found, I don't know, maybe he waited till Monday. To, I don't know, but it's another. So I think, you know, I, th- I think this is. So a, you think that's a contradiction? Well, it appears to be. But I think, I think you know, we've been going an hour. I think maybe we take a little five-minute break, get some air. You know, I check maybe, on yeah. the, I check on the, the, the puppy dogs. Yeah, I think there. What can, about if I grab my Bible and just storm home? As long as you don't, as long as you don't grab it and start beating us with it. So. <laughs> That's not going to happen. All right, I'm great. Staying. So all, all right, right. quick break. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of the Irrational Discourse Podcast. 
If you have questions, comments, or suggestions for future episodes, you can send us an email at debate at irrationaldiscourse.com, or you can contact us directly through our website at www.irrationaldiscourse.com. Please include your name and location if you'd like a shout out for your contribution. We only ask for, and strive to give in return, a little love, acceptance, and mutual respect.